0: Bible prophesied of a unique time on earth, Israel would be returned to her land, the church would turn to false doctrines, technology would increase, and wickedness and immorality would run rampant. The time spoken of so long ago has come. Join Charlie Garrett as he breaks down these events for us as they unfold each week. It is 31 May. It's the last Sunday of May. We're going to be into June here in another couple hours, but it's uh, Sunday. It's time for the Prophecy Update of the Week. And we have Akemi. A lot of us here know her. She's in Japan. She attends online, and today is her birthday. So I would like to say, O tanjo bi o must to Akemi-san over in Japan. And uh, let's see here. Uh Podcasts: The Prophecy Update podcast and the uh, Sermon podcast may be late. The person that handles those things has been really, really out of it. He's got a very bad hip. He's not doing well there, and he's uh, just miserable. So if those are late, we want to apologize in advance. And then uh, we got some uh, people that are visiting for the first time, Sean and Chris. They're from right up the road here, but it's wonderful to have you guys here. And then we also have uh, Chip and Carol and larry and ann now larry and ann came from myrtle south carolina and then they brought their friends that live up the road a little bit so they're all here so we welcome all of you and we hope you have a good time here and let's see here we have our first category which as always is israel now before i get into our first category does everybody know that there are oh i'm sorry i got i got your name here too i got one more person to recognize is cecilia and she's sitting right in front of me, and I wrote her name over here, so I've got five names, and I don't have much space on my notes here, so welcome. Where are you from? Are you from Sarasota, or where are you from? I am from Wow. Well, it's wonderful to have you here as well. So Sarasota accent. You got it. Yeah. Sir- well, that's why I was wondering. The accent kind of threw me off, so there you go with that. But uh, anyway, welcome to all of you. And then we also have, um, as I said, uh, uh, our first category is Israel. But before we get into that, I would like to ask if everybody here knows that we're having riots in America. Is it everybody okay. The only reason why I ask that is because I'm not going to talk about that at all. If you want to see that, turn on the TV and okay. you'll see. You know, there are some ironic things about these riots. Of course, we've got people that uh, we've got a, a person that was... Uh, He died in police custody, whether it's murder yet or not, that's for a court to decide. But he died in a Democrat-controlled area, in a Democrat-controlled county, in a Democrat-controlled state, and it's Trump's fault. So there you go with that. Um, And we got a lot of ironic things like that about it, but I'm not going to get into the riots at all. That's, you know, you can watch that on the news. Um, As far as Israel, the Times of Israel, Israel sees a dramatic increase in Iranians— asking for help emigrating. Now imagine that. We got Iranians, and they're not all Jewish Iranians. They're just people that want to go to Israel, and they're asking, you know, from Iran to emigrate to Israel. I never would have expected this article, but here we go. Even before the current health crisis, which has hit the Islamic Republic especially hard, thousands of Iranians reached out to the Israeli government via its various social media accounts per month, They're asking for all kinds of assistance, medical advice, information about immigration to Israel and other countries. They want to know how to make business or simply want to tell us how they hope that their country will one day establish diplomatic relations with us. So these people in Iran, and I brought this up in other Prophecy Updates, a large percentage of Iranians support Israel. Okay, a large percentage of them. It's the government and the hardliners in the government that do not. But uh, there are actually people in Iran that love Israel. They'll come out and they'll openly say this, but now they're actually wanting to emigrate there and ask other things. Uh, Since the coronavirus started, the number of Iranians who get in touch with us has dramatically increased. The Iranians reaching out are not necessarily Iranian Jews who can claim Israeli citizenship under the law of return, but include dissidents, job seekers, and others seeking to escape the regime. So there you go with that. From the Times of Israel, Iran's leader accuses the UAE of treachery after first direct flight to Israel. The UAE flew directly into Israel instead of going to a third country, and the Iranians are very upset about this. The UAE-based airline sent the plane loaded with 16 tons of coronavirus aid for the Palestinians, it had nothing to do with the Israelis, on a direct flight from Abu Dhabi to Tel Aviv, but Iran's top leader called the act a betrayal of the Palestinians. Today, some Persian Gulf states have committed the biggest treachery against their own history and the history of the Arab world, Khomeini tweeted. They have betrayed Palestine by supporting Israel. Will the nations of these states tolerate their leaders' betrayal? The Etihad cargo jet, painted in all white and missing any marking, landed at Ben Gurion after seemingly flying a roundabout route through Iraq in either Jordan or Turkey. The flight struck a rare moment of public cooperation between the UAE, home to Abu Dhabi and Dubai, and Israel. The countries have no formal diplomatic ties to Israel, but have begun to increasingly cooperate openly after years of rumored back-channel discussions between them over mutual enemy Iran. So there you go. This entire update is called Eye to Eye. It's Israel to Iran, and there's been just all kinds of trouble there. Well, there you go with that. From the Times of Israel, UAE virus aid rejected by... Palestinians still at Israel's airport, the UN rethinking. So they sent this in for the Palestinians and the Palestinians won't take the aid because it landed in Israel instead of getting shipped from Jordan or some other place. So this shows the mentality of what's going on over there. 14 tons of medical supplies languishing at Ben-Gurion airport for the past week. The Palestinian authority refused delivery. Cargo flight was seen as normalizing ties between Israel and the Gulf States from the Times of Israel, Israel behind cyber attack that caused total disarray at Iran port. Now, this was a week or two ago, but this has been ongoing. There have been cyber attacks between Israel and Iran frequently, and this one kind of leads into some other things. So I'm going to read it. The report said Israel was likely behind the hack that brought the bustling Shahid Raje port terminal to an abrupt and inexplicable halt. Computers that regulate the flow of vessels, trucks, and goods all crashed at once, creating massive backups on waterways and roads leading to the facility. The Post reported adding that it had seen satellite photos showing miles-long traffic jams leading to the port and ships waiting to offload several days later. Iran later acknowledged that an unknown foreign hacker had briefly knocked the port's computers offline A recent cyber attack failed to penetrate the PMO's systems and was only able to infiltrate and damage a number of private operating systems at the ports, the managing director of the Ports and Maritime Organization said in a statement carried by Iran's ILNA news agency. But the damage was far more severe than Iran acknowledged. The official called the attack highly accurate. There was total disarray, said the official. So Iran is denying what happened right in their own country, whereas the rest of the world knows it because of the satellite photos and so on. So from the Jerusalem Post, Hungary, Austria stand against the rest of the European Union blasting Israel. In other words, they're supporting Israel, Hungary and Austria. We've seen a lot of them in the past year or so working against the European Union And now they're actually standing with Israel against the European Union. So then from the Times of Israel, Czech foreign minister, a staunch Israel ally, pans annexation, sparking internal row. The Czech Republic's foreign minister came out against Israel's supposed plan to unilaterally annex parts of the West Bank, but drew rebukes from the country's prime minister and president who said it did not represent the government's view. So the Czech Republic is on Israel's side, but the foreign minister came out and spoke without their permission. So we'll see where that goes. From Axios, Netanyahu says, here it is, July 1st deadline for West Bank annexation won't change. Israeli Prime Minister Netanyahu said at a Likud party faction meeting at the Knesset that his July 1st deadline for starting the process of annexation in the West Bank will not change. Netanyahu told the meeting that Israel has the biggest opportunity since 1948 to annex the West Bank and stressed he will not let this opportunity pass. So we'll see where this goes, but if they do that, they're going to have the world upset at them. But big deal, they've had the world upset at them ever since they were a nation anyway. I think they ought to just do it and And, uh, you know, as I said a week or two ago, Trump went in there. He says, I'm going to move the uh, embassy to Jerusalem. And the whole world says we're going to riot. We're going to blow everything up. And we're going to, you know, cut off communications. And he moved it and nothing happened. So I think they ought to just do it and, and move forward. From the Times of Israel, Israel rejects. Now, I said this. It was three weeks ago or two weeks ago that I said Pompeo went to Israel. And they talked about, uh, you know, certain things. And I said, I guarantee you one of them is the Chinese issue. Remember that? Here we go. Israel rejects $1.5 billion Chinese water plant after Pompeo said it could affect a working relationship with the United States. And so I said that that would happen. And here it happened. From the Times of Israel, hailing returned to normal. Israel rescinds virus closures on eateries and bars. So they're starting to open up in Israel. People are getting out there. They do have some, you know, like in the U.S., they got some certain procedures they're going through, but uh, good news for Israel on that. I got some friends that are planning on going. They were here just a couple weeks ago and. Uh, They uh, said that they were planning on going to Israel. They got backed up. It will be October now, and as it stands, it looks like they are going to go in October. So um, I said that, you know, I was supposed to go in May, and I emailed them today, and I said, you know, I may go this year, I may not, but if they have a restriction where you have to wear a face mask on the airplane for 12 hours, I ain't going. It ain't going to happen. Anyway, Christian news today. Last week, I asked what the capital of New Zealand was, and a couple of you yelled out Christchurch, and I said, yes, it's Christchurch. And then I had a couple of New Zealanders come at me. James and Garth both emailed me, and they said, you don't know much about New Zealand because it is Wellington. Wellington is the capital of New Zealand, which I had no idea at all, but I have to send a correction on that, so thank you for letting me know that. And then also, before we get into our first article, is Kathy, who lives over in West Palm Beach. Uh, She's been here several times with her family and her daughters, and she finished the Exodus sermon. So she's gone all the way through all hundred and some Genesis sermons. She finished Exodus, and so I want to send her a congratulations on that. And then our first article is from the Christian Post. Ban on religious gatherings is unlawful. What country said this? I never would have expected this one. France's top court rules. Can you imagine that? Yeah, France's Supreme Court for Administrative Justice has ruled that the government's absolute ban on religious gatherings in hopes of stopping the spread of COVID-19 is unlawful and ordered the government to relax restrictions on religious worship. In a ruling, the French Council of State reasoned that the general and absolute prohibition is disproportionate when the government has allowed gatherings of fewer than 10 people for secular instances. France's current policy bans all gatherings and places of worship except for funerals, which are limited to just 20 people. So you can go if you're at a funeral with 20 people, but you couldn't go at all any other time, which makes as much sense as a football (laughs) bat, but whatever. Anyway, the government had previously indicated that religious services would be banned until June 2nd. The Council of State ruled the government's policy constitutes a serious and manifest violation of the freedom of worship. So, you know, the silly thing about this, and I said this with the same thing they're doing here in the U.S., is you are limited to, say, 50 people in in a state. They say all churches can only have 50 people, and some churches hold 2,000 people. So, why 50? You know, you got a church that can hold 170 people, and you can have 50 people there. It doesn't make any sense, but that's because people aren't thinking things through. But whatever, BBC says, Ramadan German church opens doors for Muslim prayers. Try that in the opposite, and I'm sure it would never happen. A church in Berlin has opened its doors to Muslim worshipers unable to fit into their mosque under the new social distancing rules. Germany allowed religious services to resume on 4 May, but worshipers must maintain a distance of 5 feet. As a result, the Dar Islam mosque in the city's, I can't pronounce it, district can only hold a fraction of its congregation. But the Martha Lutheran Church in Kreuzberg offered to help by hosting Friday prayers at the end of Ramadan. But when you look, when you forget the small details, this is the house of God in the end. Now, what they're doing, that's a uh, German Christian that's saying that they're elevating the God of Islam to the same as the God of Christianity. That's why I have a problem with this. You know, it's a building as a building. We use this building for all kinds of other things. We got, you know, the Republican committee meets here and other, you know, groups meet here whenever they want, whatever. But, uh, The problem with this is how they are perceiving it and what they are allowing. I gave a speech in German, said Monica Matthias, and during the prayer, I could only say yes, 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 because we have the same concerns and we want to learn from you. And it is beautiful to feel that way about each other. So she's taking these two religions, she's elevating them to the same level, and by doing that, they are disgracing the name of Jesus Christ. Okay, that's all that's happening there. Okay, from Detali will the evangelists throw Donald Trump? Now, this is a translation from Russian, and so it's uh, maybe not the most correct English, but here we go. According to Trump's reaction to the coronavirus epidemic, the evangelicals put high value on his actions, but they made no impression on American Jews. Almost two-third of them gave his work a low rating white evangelists gave Trump higher marks than any other religious group in the United States. The survey showed how Americans from different religious groups evaluate how successfully Trump is coping with the coronavirus epidemic and the resulting economic crisis. Among Trump's white evangelists, Trump's main political support group. He enjoys a great popularity even after more than 90,000 Americans have died, now it's over 100,000, and unemployment has reached unprecedented levels. The survey shows that 75% of white evangelical respondents believe that Trump is either excellent or coping with the crisis. Only 24% of them believe that Trump coped with the crisis satisfactorily or poorly. Although these figures show that Trump can still count on evangelists ahead of the election, the trend that the survey reflects should be a matter of concern to the presidential team. When the Pew Institute conducted a similar survey in March, a positive assessment of Trump's response to the corona crisis gave 81% of evangelists and only 19% rated it satisfactory or poor. In other words, within two months, evangelical satisfaction with Trump's response to the coronavirus decreased by 5%. I think that's actually not very bad after two months of what's been going on and with all the constant belittling by the left media, but whatever, evangelists make up about a quarter of the U.S. population in favor Republican politicians. In 2016, about 80% of them voted for Trump and helped him secure victory in such important states as Pennsylvania and Florida. Some analysts believe that if Trump's support in this group is at least slightly reduced from the 80% that he received last time, this could seriously worsen his prospects for re-election. So one thing we need to do is to pray that our president has wisdom, that he has good counsel, that he makes the right decisions. And, you know, it's the Lord, he is in charge of all things, and this is his world, and he already knows the outcome of all things, but uh, he does listen to the prayers of his people as evidenced by the last election, because the chances of him winning were about zero, and Christians all over this country got together and prayed, but we need to do that. We need to uh, get the word out. We need to support him. He's doing good things, and the lies that are thrown against that man daily are just appalling, really amazing. Okay, from Islam Today. From the Times of Israel, EU condemns Iran's totally unacceptable threats against Israel. As I said, eye to eye, the EU condemned the Iranian leader's threats against Israel after Supreme Leader Ayatollah Ali Khamenei repeatedly called for the elimination of the Zionist entity as opposed to recent warnings from Brussels against Israel's plans to unilaterally annex parts of the West Bank, which were issued only in the name of the bloc's foreign affairs chief, Joseph Burrell, which I read to you a week ago, as some member states objected to them. This statement on Iran had union-wide consensus. So everybody in the EU is saying how bad this is, and yet they're still trying to keep these, these uh, agreements and the JCPOA and everything going, which makes no sense at all, but this is how the EU works. However, at least one Israeli diplomat said that the statement did not accurately reflect the nature of communist threat. The brief statement issued by Borrell on behalf of the EU started by condemning the elderly Iranian leader's threatening remarks for questioning Israel's legitimacy. Such statements are totally unacceptable and represent a deep source of concern. They're also incompatible with the objective of a stable and peaceful Middle East region pursued by the EU. The statement read, The EU reiterates its fundamental commitment to the security of Israel. Israel's ambassador to Germany, Jeremy Isakharov, said that the union statement did not go far enough. If they are committed to the security of Israel, and if Iran is saying that they are going to destroy Israel, which they've said every single year for the past many years on Kud 's Day, and they say it throughout the year as well, why are they continuing to support Iran when they know that all they need to do is have a bomb in Iran developed in the morning and it will be detonated over Tel Aviv that evening? And yet they continue to support these people. I don't get it. Anyway, the, um, he said he wrote explicitly about eliminating the Zionist regime, which goes from denying the Holocaust to promoting one. The Israeli diplomat wrote in his Twitter account, The gravity of his remarks is not reflected in the EU reaction. He added that the EU should go beyond words in its response, though he did not go into further detail. From the Middle East Monitor, Russia, Turkey stress importance of resuming political process in Libya. I don't know if you've been watching Libya over the past seven days, but they're in just a giant mess over there. It's worse than it was two weeks ago and last week when we talked about it. This came in a call between Russian FM Lavrov and his Turkish counterpart Mevlut Kavusoglu. A statement released by Russia said, The two officials stressed on the importance of the immediate cessation of hostilities and the resumption of political process under the auspices of the UN, which will never happen, with the necessary participation of the Libyan parties, with a view to settling the crisis based on the outputs of the Berlin Conference approved by the UN Security Council's resolution. It added that the two ministers also discussed the Syrian file and expressed their country's work to continue promoting cooperation in a manner that serves the full settlement of the Syrian crisis with the support of the international community and in the course of the UN Security Council resolutions. Once again, that'll never happen in Syria either. They all want this pie and they want it because there's oil there and they want total control over the Middle East. And so that's what they're going for and that's what Ezekiel 38 says is coming from the Jerusalem Post Russian fighters flown out of West Libya after Haftar retreat remember Haftar is the one is being supported by the Russians but he was a CIA operative here in the US for many years he is fighting against the government in Tripoli well Haftar is starting to retreat but remember the Russians are also on the side of the government in Tripoli via Turkey, who is behind them and sending mercenaries to them. So we have this giant thing going on that no matter who wins and no matter who loses, Russia wins. Russian fighters in Libya were flown out of a town south of Tripoli by their Libyan allies after retreating from front lines at the capital. The reported departure of the Russians is another blow to the Libyan National Army of Eastern Libya military leader Khalifa Haftar and his foreign allies. Haftar's forces, backed by Russia, Egypt, and the UAE, have been trying to capture the capital for 13 months, but suffered a string of defeats in recent weeks in fighting against Turkey-backed forces of the Tripoli government. In the past two days, LNA forces have withdrawn from some positions in southern Tripoli in what they described as a humanitarian gesture. Now, that's in the past couple days. It's been a couple days ago. This uh, report came out earlier in the week. Forces allied to the internationally recognized government re-entered some of those areas. Libya has been without central government control for nine years since our previous president put his fingers into the pie and did what he should not have done. And since 2014, it has been divided between two main rival governments in the east and the west. The conflict has turned into a proxy war between the foreign allies of the two sides. LNA spokesman Ahmed Mismari denied any foreigners were fighting with this force. But the Russians' presence has been widely documented by diplomats and journalists. Pictures purportedly showing Russians, some sitting on trucks in Bani Walid, were posted on social media. The Tripoli government, known as the GNA, has, with Turkish help, made sudden strides, seizing a string of towns from the LNA, capturing the strategically important Watia air base and destroying several Russian-made air defense systems. So, you can see it's a nightmare. It's starting to go into chaos, and that's got to happen because one side has got to win. When that happens, they will start aligning with Russia, with Iran, with uh, Turkey, with the Sudan and this coalition is going to come against Israel. It can't happen until Libya is out of play in the way it is now and in play with Russia. So we're getting close to that. I don't know how close, but good times are ahead for, uh, for Russia until they come down against Israel and then it'll be bad times all the way. From Fox, Iran picked cyber fight with Israel as both sides target critical infrastructure. That's just the title. If you want, go read that article. I just want to give you the title because it's a very good article from Fox. I'll read it one more time. Iran picked cyber fight with Israel as both sides target critical infrastructure. Israel responded by attacking their port because Iran went in and attacked Israel's water system. If they attack the water system, uh, that's serious. You know, water systems and wastewater systems, in my opinion, having been in that business for over 20 years, is something that should be done manually. Because if somebody can get in there through the computer system, they can adjust the rates. We had that. Hey, listen, this happened down in Northport just about uh, eight or so years ago, if anybody here uh, remembers that. Uh, The chemical adjustment on the caustic for the water system went up and people were actually burned taking showers Yeah, it was enough to burn people. So um, this is the kind of thing that can happen. If they get into a water system remotely, they can put in all, they can up or down any of the chemicals that are in there. They can cause real damage or they can shut off the water system. And Israel is a very dry place. If they shut it off and damaged it in a big way, they could really harm the population quickly. And then we go back, that article goes all the way back as far as the Stutznik Virus that they put in to blow up Iran's centrifuges, if you remember them doing that. So they give you a whole history of it's a good article. Go ahead and take a peek at that. From Mongolia today, Nikkei says cashmere piles up in Mongolia as coronavirus cripples trading. That's one of their big uh, uh, money makers in Mongolia is the cashmere trade industry. But Mongolia produces around 40 percent of the world's cashmere fiber. But the country's herders, traders, and processors depend on Chinese buyers who purchase more than 80% of their wool for further processing into yarn that can be woven into sweaters, scarves, and other clothes. Kashmir's Mongolia's top non-mineral export and more than a third of the country's population of 3 million is involved in its production. The herders usually generate two-thirds of their annual income through spring sales of the hair their goats accumulate during the frigid winter, using the proceeds in part to repay grocers and vendors who sold them supplies on credit. But with international travel and many factories worldwide shut down by the COVID-19 outbreak, the Chinese just are not buying this year. So the poor people in Mongolia are facing real trouble because, as it said, they borrow through the winter to be able to feed themselves, feed their animals, in hopes that the cashmere will be a successful crop. And then they shave their animals and they send that out. And that's not happening this year. So that's, uh, what was it? A third of the three million population are being affected by this. Bad stuff. Daniel 12 Technology today. Very cool article. Mail online. The fastest ever internet speed capable of downloading 1,000 HD movies in under one second. Is recorded in Australia, and it is four million times faster than the country's average connection. And this was not done in the lab, folks. Researchers installed their equipment in existing and real world infrastructure. Imagine being able to download 1,000 HD movies in one second. Okay. Oh, you'd never see them in your whole (laughs) life, but you can do it just for fun. They were able to deliver speeds of 44.2 terabits per second from a single line. These speeds have only been previously recorded inside a laboratory setting. Tell me that is not just the cat's meow. I see people over here drooling about do. that. Yeah, there aren't that many good movies in the world. Yeah. Uh, but we got that many good sermons, it's a superior word, and you can download them all in less than a second now. All right. From Behold Israel, Israeli scientists developed sniff tests to determine likelihood of regaining anybody? Nobody saw this. Consciousness. If you're in a hospital, you're unconscious, and they don't know if they should pull the plug or not, listen to this. Led by Dr. Anat Arziz, Israeli scientists at the Wiseman Institute have developed a method for testing the likelihood of someone to regain consciousness using a newfound sniff test. During the initial four-year test period, the test resulted in 100% accuracy meaning that any patient who showed a response to the sniff test eventually regained consciousness. A few points that make this test unique from the get-go are, one, it's simple, two, it's inexpensive, and three, it is convenient. The fact that the sniff test is simple and potentially inexpensive makes it advantageous, especially if you're the person lying there in a coma. It can be performed at the patient's bedside without the need to move them and without complicated machinery misdiagnoses can be critical as it can influence the decision of whether to disconnect patients from life support machines. In regard to treatment, if it is judged that a patient is unconscious and doesn't feel anything, physicians may not prescribe them painkillers that they might need. With the olfactory system, the sense of smell being the most important aspect of the brain as it relates to this test, the observation is that an individual's nasal passages change in response to different odors. And for a healthy human being, any sort of response can take place in a state of unconsciousness, whether sleeping or not. In the four-year study, over 40 different patients with brain injuries were involved. The researchers prepared different scent jars with items that range from hygienic products to rotten fish being inhaled in response to the different odors. I would like to have durian replace the rotten fish because I don't like fish, okay? Durian is okay with me. The patient would experience the odor of each jar 10 times, varying in order each series. Astonishingly, all patients who are classified as being in a vegetative state yet responded to the sniff test later regained consciousness, even if only minimal. In some cases, the result of the sniff test was the first sign that these patients were about to recover consciousness, and this reaction was observed days, weeks, and even months prior to any other signs. Adding to the success of the test, it not only revealed who was going to regain consciousness, but it also revealed who was likely to have a minimum of three or more years of life after that with 90% accuracy. That's an important development. All right, there you go. My wife, if. What? Joe Biden. Yeah, Joe Biden is. Yeah, (laughs) he's their spokesperson. That was very good. Yeah, I was about to say that my wife, if I was in a coma, she would say, don't give him the sniff test, just pull the plug. But maybe she wouldn't. Maybe she'd let me live, my beautiful wife over there. All right. Revelation plagues today. Zero hedge. 81% of Canadian COVID deaths are in nursing homes. We've seen this again and again. 81%. Mail online, many U.S. states have seen lower infection rates after ending lockdowns that are now destroying millions of livelihoods worldwide. Not just a freak show, it's from J.P. Morgan study. So that's a valid study there. From Zero Hedge, CDC confirms remarkably low death rate media chooses to ignore COVID-19 realities. Okay, uh, having read that article, I'm going to take you into something I posted on Facebook about a week and a half ago. I saw an article that Jim posted and I read it and then I went and got some other articles and I put them on there. And that was the most shared post that I've ever put up. So I'll read you just the titles and a little bit of them. Very long articles. Go read them and you'll get a better picture of what's going on. From the Atlantic, how could the CDC make that mistake? The government's disease-fighting agency is conflating viral and antibody tests, comprising a few crucial metrics that governors depend on to reopen their economies. Pennsylvania, Georgia, Texas, and other states are doing the same. This means that they have no idea at all what the status of CV-19 is because they've taken the two different tests which are for two completely different purposes and they've put them up on the same level and so this is something that came out of the CDC and the argument in the article is that this could not be a mistake it had to have been intentional okay here's the reason why I highlighted that and I remembered something that I had seen years ago and so I included this article as the first post on the post W.A.B.E. from 9 November 2016. Atlanta CDC employees express anxiety over Trump's win. Employees at the Atlanta-based Centers for Disease Control and Prevention say the mood in their office is somber. They were weeping. One microbiologist said her colleagues were crying in the hallways. It's really sad, she said. It's depressing. I'm eating a bagel to try and be happy. So you wonder why they had this sudden uh, taking these two different tests and putting them together as one is because they're trying to destroy a president that they didn't like from the moment he was elected. That is what's going on here. Go read both of those articles or go look at my post on Facebook from later last week and you'll see this. You'll understand what's going on. Morality today. Mail Online. Pixar reveals its first gay main character in the short out to debut on Disney Plus. So don't watch the movie out and I would recommend you just stop watching Disney Plus altogether. There you go with that. Zero Hedge. We've never seen numbers like this. Trauma doctor sees post-lockdown suicide wave starting. We suggested at the beginning of April. Now this is Zero Hedge. I will tell you Zero Hedge was the worst of all of the news organizations as far as putting out this is the most dangerous virus in the world and the whole world's going to fall apart. And you know, I saved all of their articles. I've got thousands of them where they were the main perpetrators of this, and now they're saying that they were on the other side. So don't believe their comments there, but here we go. We suggested at the beginning of April that a suicide wave was imminent concerning the economic devastation sparked by COVID-19 lockdowns. In the last nine weeks, 38.6 million Americans have lost their jobs and were thrown into instant poverty. Many were already skating on thin financial ice even before the pandemic, and now they've fallen through, drowning in insurmountable debts, no savings, and limited lifelines. The first signs of a suicide wave could be originating in California. ABC 7 News reports doctors and nurses at John Moore Medical Center in Walnut Creek in the East Bay region of the San Francisco Bay Area are reporting deaths by suicide far exceed COVID-19 deaths during the pandemic. You don't hear this anywhere else, so the hospital's top trauma doctor, Dr. Mike, I can't pronounce it, told ABC 7 that mental health has become a major problem during the shelter-in-place order. Once again, this guy's name, which I can't pronounce, said the numbers are unprecedented. We've never seen numbers like this in such a short period of time. I mean, we've seen a year's worth of suicide attempts in the last four weeks. Casey Hansen, a trauma nurse at the hospital for over three decades, said the volume of suicide attempts has dramatically increased during the lockdowns, noting the pandemic has stretched resources, which means there are fewer tools to save as many patients as usual. What I have seen recently, I have never seen before, Hansen said. I have never seen so much intentional injury. In addition to the 90,000 plus and counting virus-related deaths, Wellbeing Trust recently outlined how 75,000 people could die of drug or alcohol misuse and or suicide during the pandemic. President Trump warned in March that nationwide lockdowns must be reversed to prevent tremendous death. I watched him say that on TV and that's correct from the economic depression referring to the likely increases of suicides but the left does not care about this they care about destroying a president because he is the last block in the globalist agenda he is the last one that's actually not totally true because he's got Bolsonaro down in Brazil who is also a block to that but he is really the last the last of it. If he goes, Bolsonaro will go and the world will be under the globalist government. So we have to continue to pray for our president and, you know, pray for these people that are still being forced by Democrat controlled states to force their people into situations like this. It really is appalling. From our other category, I got a uh, email from our missionary in China, Les. He's getting asked questions over there constantly. I mean, this thing, the Chinese in America are now being targeted, and I'm talking the government is now saying we're not going to give visas to certain Chinese anymore for colleges. They're starting to review their passports and stuff and make sure that these people are not spies in the United States. And we're going to see this continuing, but they're doing it over there as well. And this is a guy that just happens to be there, and he's ministering for the lord and now this is happening uh chinese carriers around taiwan etc he says they've got all these carriers that are going around taiwan they're uh uh, intimidating the taiwanese and we'll talk more about that this week and next week but china is really causing problems in the world right now they're backing themselves into a little box as well but here we go from reuters u.s to sell taiwan 180 million dollars worth of torpedoes angering china The U.S. government has notified Congress of a possible sale of advanced torpedoes to Taiwan worth around $180 million, further souring already tense ties between Washington and Beijing, which claims Taiwan as Chinese territory. The U.S., like most countries, has no official diplomatic ties with Taiwan, but it is bound by law to provide the democratic island with the means to defend itself. China routinely denounces the United States' arms sales to Taiwan. From Reuters, China drops word "peaceful" in latest push for Taiwan reunification. For years, they've said a peaceful reunification. That is no longer in their statement. Chinese Premier Li Kequan, I guess, left out the word "peaceful" in referring to Beijing's desire to reunify with Taiwan. An apparent policy shift that comes as ties with Taipei continue on a downward spiral. Zero Hedge. Japanese military to receive new assault rifles amid rising tensions with China. JGSDF, which is the Japanese Ground Self-Defense Forces, will receive a new 5.56mm rifle and a 9mm handgun to defend the country's southwestern islands from China. The new rifle, designated as Type 20, is manufactured in Japan under the name HOA 556, The new weapon is water resistant and designed for use in amphibious operations. It has better firepower than its predecessor. The purchase of the weapons comes at a time when Chinese maritime war drills have picked up around Taiwan, the East China Sea and the South China Sea and increased further during the global pandemic. cross strait relations and Sino-US diplomatic relations continue to deteriorate. Japan has gotten the message to restock its military with new assault rifles as conflict with China around disputed islands could be dead ahead. From the Epoch Times, U.S. big tech aiding blacklisted Chinese surveillance firms report says our big tech is in their back pocket. Top 10 VPN, a site that reviews VPNs and researches digital rights and security issues, found in a May 21 report that more than a dozen U.S. tech firms provide essential web services required to power the websites of blacklisted Chinese companies. Last October, the Commerce Department put 28 Chinese public security bureaus and companies, including some of China's top AI startups and video surveillance company, Hick vision on an economic blacklist over their role in aiding the repression and surveillance of Uyghur Muslims in the northwestern region of Xinjiang. The designation bars U.S. firms from doing business with those companies without a license from the department. From CNBC China will likely face U.S. sanctions over Hong Kong national security law, White House says. This was at the beginning of the week. I'll show you the progression. The U.S. government will likely impose sanctions on China if Beijing implements national security law that would give it greater control over the autonomous Hong Kong, White House National Security Advisor O'Brien said. The draft legislation represents a takeover of Hong Kong, O'Brien said, and as a consequence, U.S. Secretary of State Pompeo would likely be unable to certify that the city maintains a high degree of autonomy. This would result in the imposition of sanctions against China under the Hong Kong Human Rights and Democracy Act of 2019. From CNN, Pompeo says Hong Kong is no longer autonomous from China, jeopardizing billions of dollars in trade. From the Epic Times, Beijing passes Hong Kong national security law, Reuters, to punish China. Trump moves to end Hong Kong privileges. That's how it went this week, in order. We no longer have the relations with Hong Kong and the favorable release of money that we gave them because China now ostensibly has total control over Hong Kong. We can no longer say we are allied with Hong Kong. We can no longer give them the breaks that we have been giving them. That's what that means. From the Epic Times. UK looking to remove Huawei from 5G network. Kind of a surprising article until you get to the end where I say something to you. Prime Minister Johnson has said Britain will develop plans to remove telecoms, equipment maker Huawei Technology Company Limited's involvement in Britain's 5G network in the wake of the coronavirus crisis. Johnson has asked officials to make plans to remove the Chinese company's involvement in British infrastructure to zero by 2023. Huawei vice president Victor Zhang said that the report of a U-turn on the deal simply doesn't make sense. And here's my comment, it does when you throw Donald Trump into the equation because if you remember, I've reported on this a couple times, he's been telling them if you continue with the Chinese, we are not going to deal with you. They want trade with the US a lot more than they want Huawei and 5G in Britain. So there you go with that. Zero hedge. That's why we need to keep supporting this president. He's making the decisions that are important in this world right now, and anybody else would not. I don't care who it is. I don't care who won if it was a Republican in the candidates. It could have been Ted Cruz or whoever. None of them would have been able to bear up under this like Donald Trump has. None of them. They would have all folded, they would have gone home. So we've got the right man in office, and we need to continue. That's right. He's not a politician. He's, you know, he's got his own faults and he's got his own. Uh, arrogances and whatever, but he is the right man at this time in this nation, okay? Zero Hedge, New Zealand gun crime rates soar following gun bans. Who would have expected that? Happened in Australia, it's happening in New Zealand. It happened in England. New figures obtained by R&Z show last year had the highest rates of gun crime and deaths involving firearms for nearly 10 years. Where'd they get the guns from? Yeah, where'd they get the guns from? Uh But despite that rise, there's not been a corresponding increase in officers taking out or using their guns, which means that it's not law enforcement related. The figures obtained from police under the Official Information Act show the rates of gun crime went up in both 2018 and 2019, and in both of the last two years, the rate of deadly incidents involving a firearm was The highest it had been since 2009. The number of guns seized by police is also on the rise up almost 50% on five years earlier. It seems like a universal truth that in the immediate aftermath of enacting tough gun control laws, gun crime goes up. That doesn't make a lot of sense unless you realize that the very people not complying with the law include the large number of criminals who aren't going to comply with the law. (laughs) Now, though, they know that their potential targets are less likely to be able to defend themselves. For them, it's time to step up and get busy because no one can stop them. What do you expect from the AP? Cash, long A refuge in uncertain times is now under suspicion. We've been seeing this, lots of articles on it. Here's another one. From the supermarkets of the United States and Japan to the shanty towns of Africa to the gas stations of Tehran, a growing number of businesses and individuals worldwide have stopped using banknotes in fear that physical currency handled by tens of thousands of people over their useful life could be a vector for the spreading coronavirus public officials and health. The doctor laughed. We talked about this before. It's not true. Public officials and health experts have said that the risk of transferring the virus from person to person through the use of money is minimal That hasn't stopped businesses from refusing to accept currency and some countries from urging citizens to stop using banknotes altogether. We're getting into the one world currency and it's coming soon to a currency near you. From the Epic Times to kind of dispel that last myth, CDC now says CCP virus does not spread easily from contaminated surfaces. So you have money and it's got contamination, it's not going to spread to you anyway. So, Epic Times. Plenty on money. They what? There's plenty, on money. There's plenty on money and there always has been plenty on money. Like that. That's right. The Epic Times says University of California to drop SAT ACT test requirements. Can't test people anymore to get into college. From the Epic Times, Americans use $1200 stimulus checks on non-essential items at Walmart and Target. There you go. Instead of saving the money for what may be another rebound or something else, like a nation devolving into riots, they're out spending their money on non-essentials. Epic Times appeals court halts ruling to allow Texans afraid of catching CV-19 to vote by mail. They said that is not an excuse. And as I said last week, every one of those people that says, I can't go vote because I might get COVID-19 has been out buying at Walmart. Every one of them, there's not a person in this country that's locked himself in and hasn't gone out. But Texas did the right thing with that. Anyway, from the Daily Wire, $21 million Brooklyn Field Hospital shuts down. The one that they built cost $21 million. COVID-19 patients treated? Zero. Zero. (laughs) Zero. Wall Street Journal. Trump considers formal panel to review complaints of online bias. Yes. President Trump is considering establishing a panel to review complaints of anti-conservative bias on social media. We know he did that executive order. Yes. This will come along with that, according to people familiar with the matter, in a move that would likely draw pushback from technology companies and oh, others. Yeah, what a shame. Yeah. <laughs> From the Western Journal, Trump withdraws U.S. from Open Skies Treaty. I think probably most of you heard that. If you didn't, what the Open Skies Treaty is, Russia can fly over America anytime and they can survey our country with their military, uh, you know, surveillance aircraft and they can see if we're doing anything that's not right. And we had the same right to go over Russia. But Russia's continuously violated their part of this treaty. And so Trump unlike all the previous presidents says, we're not going to take it. And so now he is withdrawn from the treaty. That does not mean we cannot go back into the treaty. It means that they must prove that they are going to abide by the treaty, and then we can rejoin and allow them to come in open skies again. It only makes sense when one side isn't doing what they've agreed to, you stop the treaty, like he did with the nuclear weapons, like he's done with everything else. We have been the suckers for years, for years. He's doing the right things. All right, from Mail Online, 10 people are shot dead during Chicago's deadliest Memorial Day weekend since 2015, despite coronavirus lockdown keeping most people at home. Crime doesn't stop because of a lockdown. Zero Hedge. Dreaming of visiting Japan? Would you like to go to Japan, my dear wife? (laughs) Dreaming of visiting Japan? The government might pay half your expenses to jumpstart tourism. Anybody here want to go to Japan? Hey, I got all kinds of hands up. There you go. They'll pay half your expenses. Okay. Yeah, good stuff. Russian Times. Did you know the bogus idea of social distancing was invented by a 14-year-old girl during the Bush administration in 2006? No. Yeah, she, Yeah, 14-year-old girl said, we should stay apart from each other so we don't sneeze on each other. And they said, oh, that's a great idea. Oh. Yeah, there you go. Okay, here we go. CNS, report. $1 000, 797,910 firearms sold in April of 2020. A 71.3% increase over April 2019. We have been, in this nation, the largest standing military on the planet. By far. Way by far. And I'm not talking about our military. I'm talking about the armed citizen of the United States of America. The Army, Marines, Air Force, and Coast Guard and the Merchant Marines, all of them together, are about a million men under arms, or men and women under arms. And out of them, when I say under arms, very few of them actually carry arms. Unless they are sent into combat, they don't carry anything, okay? And we, are, we put in billions and billions, hundreds of billions of dollars into our military every year, and yet it is dwarfed by the American citizen. If they want to start having trouble and pushing people's buttons, it will devolve very quickly, okay? I'm not telling you to be scared or anything like that, but, you know, just be advised that this is a dangerous world and that the American citizen is ready to tackle that problem. I have, instead of a Lesrick this week, I have a Catholic for you, okay? His wife did one. He loved it, and so he sent it to me. Ban guns, and you'll ramp up your crime. It holds true most every time. The folks have no power to protect their bower while Les covers his house and mine. So that's her writing about her husband. There you go. So I would assume that means that they probably have their own arsenal, but I'm just assuming that. Okay. Anyway, our irony, I got a couple of ironies here for you and then we'll be done. This one is entitled Healer, Heal Yourself. Okay, from the pulpit and pen, 70-plus healing ministries unite for online conference after in-person gathering canceled due to COVID-19 fears. So they cancel their conference, and they're going to have their healing conference online. Okay, then from the Christian Times, this is from Cameroon, a pastor in Cameroon. I've reported on some in America, and we have one in Cameroon. Pastor who laid hands on COVID-19 sufferers claiming to heal them has died from the virus. So there you go, healer, heal yourself. Such is the world we live in, so from Sarasota, Florida to Ulaanbaatar, Mongolia. I'm Charlie Garrett, this is The Superior Word and that is your Prophecy Update for the week.